This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called Finding Your Authentic Self to Achieve What You Want. My guest today is Barbara Shouten. Barbara is a transformation coach, a speaker, and an author. She specializes in helping people get crystal clear on who they really are and what's actually important to them so they can leave behind overwhelm and uncertainty, start living their life on purpose, and step into their zone of genius and turn their passion into their soulful, profitable business. She's written four books and three online programs, and she regularly writes blogs on LinkedIn that have helped even more people to come out of the closet. She has her own TV show called HSP TV on YouTube, in which she talks about all things HSP, as in highly sensitive people. She also hosts a podcast called 100% Yourself with Barbara, on which she discusses everything you need to know to be able to be 100% yourself. Her podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Barbara Shouten, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tom. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. (laughs) Me too. Me too. So you call yourself an HSP coach your YouTube show, HSP. Tell us highly sensitive people, HSP coach. What's that, what's that all about? Well, the highly sensitive person is uh, the person that has been born with a slightly different wired nervous system. Mm. So it's often confused with overly sensitive. I've had mm. people tell me, oh, but everybody becomes highly sensitive from stress. No. It's genetically determined if you're a highly sensitive person, yes or no. So stress can make you overly sensitive, but not highly sensitive. So that's a difference I wanted to stress. And uh, they scientifically proved that there indeed is a difference between highly sensitive people and for a lack of better word, normal people or the other people, maybe the other people is better because I'm not so sure if they're actually normal. (laughs) (laughs) and what's normal yes or no that's a whole different discussion but right um what they've proven is that when a highly sensitive person so an hsp for short is uh shown the same videos the same photos and the same audio fragments then uh the other 
group of people and uh, with other it's it's 20 percent highly sensitive people and the rest of the world is 80 percent. so it's one in five is is probably a highly sensitive person and what they've uh, shown is that more areas in the brain light up for a highly sensitive person than for a non-highly sensitive person when exposed to the exact same stimuli from the outside in, in visual audio or or even um yeah sentence stimulation so that means in layman's terms that our sensory antennas are just more sensitively tuned so that means that in the same types of situations a highly sensitive person hears more sees more smells more tastes more and feels more and also has to process a whole lot more information in the exact same time as 80% of the rest of the world. So that means that we have high-speed um, information processing. Yeah? So that's why it's also sometimes called sensory processing sensitivity. But it also means that we have to sift through more data and that we are more prone to becoming overwhelmed or ah. drained or uh, burned out, for instance. Yeah. Now, for those of us who just sense what we sense and and we've not had the opportunity to put ourselves in the body of another and compare our level of sensitivity to another's, how how do we know if we're among those one in five who rank as HSP? That is actually a very good question. And I think... I've always known it at some level. I just didn't know what to call it. And I think that goes for all of us. So what you notice is that you're, I always said I was weird. And I used to think that that was a problem. Now I think I'm weird and I'm owning it and I'm loving it. But you always feel like you're weird or the black sheep of the family or the outsider. You feel that you have difficulty connecting, of belonging, of, of fitting in. You're just different than most people in the way you think, in the way you uh, um, uh, perceive things, in, in, in what's important to you, what you value, the way you treat other people. Things just work very different for you. And one of the things that that can show up in is, is perfectionism. And it doesn't mean that my house is perfect because that's more OCD. That's not what I mean. It's more that you want to do your utmost best, the best of the best of the best of your ability. Only that is good enough for other people. And that means that you raise the bar really high, especially for yourself. So things that your friends or family or coworkers might get away with, and I stress might, because probably not, but might, you definitely don't let yourself get away with things like that. So you hold yourself to very high standards. And that also means that you can be easily disappointed because you have these, these standards, these expectations of the way things are supposed to be or the way people are supposed to treat each other or the way that they're supposed to treat you or how friends should work amongst each other or how a boss coworker or boss employee relationship should work. You know, we have all these, these images, these thoughts about how it's supposed to be. And for you, that's just not working. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. And that contributes obviously to feeling weird and strange and different, but it can often also make it very lonely. 
mm. make the world mm. a lonely place. You could have big difficulties in having or um, keeping friends. Because my problem was never having friends. I, everybody that was nice to me, I called a friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I made friends very quickly. But then when I needed them, they were not there. And they I would see. drop me, uh, you know, like that. And so we need to learn to be more selective with who we call friends, but we also need to learn how to protect our boundaries more because we tend to give away our energy. I, I did everything for the people I called my friend. And since I called people friend quickly in the beginning, that meant that I was constantly doing stuff for other people and not getting appreciation, validation, or any type of positive sort of energy back, which was draining me. On top of that, we seem to be extremely attractive to abusers, mm. physical abusers, mental abusers. Uh, I call them energy vampires, but also narcissists, sociopaths. You know, all these types of people that love to suck us dry and take and take and take and take and that leave us just exhausted on the couch with no energy for ourselves, our hobbies or whatever it is that we like to do. And they feel awesome because they yeah. dump everything on me, but also took all my energy and they leave feeling awesome. And we just we lack Mm -hmm. We lack love, we lack energy, we lack attention. So there comes a moment where this turns into depression. And if you're not careful, burnout, which I already mentioned, and even suicidal thoughts are things that occur a lot among highly sensitive people, as do addictions. Mm -hmm. Many different types of addictions, not just uh, drugs or alcohol, but also food or sex or, you know... All of these things that either numb us, that make that everything doesn't come in so hard anymore. I have mm -hmm. drugs and, and, and alcohol numb the senses. So we finally get a bit of that heart wanted, desired peace that seems so elusive sometimes yeah. or often, <laughs> depending on how well you have already learned about who you are and how things work for you, because that's that's a big factor in, in how you're feeling. Um, or they're an escape from reality. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and so share with us a little bit of, of your journey. You've revealed here today that you are a highly sensitive person, that yes. you have experienced these struggles, but now you are in a position where you are helping other HSPs to... To, to cope, to thrive, to, yes. to live better lives, to succeed in business. So how did you personally get to a point where not only were you coping with your own HSP yes. struggles, <laughs> yes. but you were, uh, you developed strategies and habits and tactics and tools that mm -hmm. you now share with others? 
Yes, definitely. And this is a really big part of why I am doing that, my story. And because uh, at the end of the story, I, I, I just came at a point where I finally learned how to work with this and see it as a gift instead of as a burden that I wanted to get rid of, which is just not possible because it's hereditary. So it never goes away. But it's also not an illness or a disease or a lesser than type of thing. I actually now see it as a gift. And I wanted other people to start seeing it that way as well and to learn how to live with it and then have their way to feeling that way be much shorter with a lot less bumps uh, than mm -hmm. mine was. Yeah. And so for me, it already started when I was very young. I come from an abuse background, in this case with my dad, and my mom hates me talking about it, but it's not that I want to talk about it, but it's important for people in similar situations to understand that A, they're not alone and that I understand what they're going through because I've been there mm -hmm. and to be some sort of inspiration because that's what I'd like to be. I'd like to offer people a vision, a glimpse and a way into a better life in yeah. a life that doesn't have to be this way. And from a very young age, people told me, oh, but you're far too sensitive and uh, you really need to learn how to grow a thicker skin or you always take everything so personal. You really need to learn how to let go, you know, things like that. And that hurt me deeply because I thought, you know, don't you think I would love that? But how do you do that? So they could always criticize and judge, but they would never share how to actually do that. Right? Or they would say, you need to learn how to leave your job at your job and not take it home with you. Yes, please. But how? <laughs> <laughs> right. And my parents were um, not helping me understand who I really am. And also school was not helping me understand who I really am. We are a society that lives by a lot of shoulda, woulda types mm -hmm. of rules. The way things are supposed to be. The way you are supposed to behave if you're a good girl. Or the way you're supposed to behave if you want to have a career. Or even the fact that you need to have a spouse and a house and maybe a white picket fence and a dog and 2.1 children in order to be normal and fit in. And all of these are our beliefs. And those beliefs caused me to be extremely alone when I was young, to not fit in anywhere, but to also not know myself because, and that's also an, a, a red threat for all HSPs, is we are people pleasers. Mm -hmm. So I did my best to turn myself into the version I thought other people wanted me to be. So I had a version of Barbara for my family. I had a version of Barbara for my friends. Mm -hmm. I had a version of Barbara for in school and later on I had a version of Barbara for at work uh, and I had a version of Barbara for, for dancing and it's exhausting. Yeah. It's yeah. exhausting. So I, I want to, I want to break in here and make a point that I think is really important. We're talking about a specific thing called HSP or condition, or uh, I'm not sure the, the appropriate no. vocabulary for it. Um, but, and, and you've said that one in five people are HSP. Yes. So many of the things that you're describing 
having a different persona or, or putting on airs and uh, being one way for one audience and another way for another audience. So many of the the lessons that you've already dropped, the idea that you need to understand that you're not alone, the idea to give yourself permission to uh, address these things. There, All of these things I think are relevant, not just to those who identify as HSP or who are yes. wondering if they are HSP, but there are really important lessons in what you teach and what you've gone through that are applicable to the other 80%. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because I think so much of what you talk about in your work and what you teach is relevant specifically to the HSP audience, but there, listen up, whether, whether you believe that you're HSP or not, there's a lot that Barbara is bringing to the table as she speaks and shares her story. So uh, keep going. I didn't mean to. That, that's actually why I've moved away from calling myself an HSP coach. In the beginning, you said you call yourself an HSP coach. Well, not anymore. I now call myself Transformation Guide and Soul Igniter. And I've rebranded mm. my online programs from the highly sensitive superpower system to the authentic superpower system because I recognize that it's while everything is incredibly valuable for highly sensitive people, it is, in fact, already very valuable for everybody that mm. wants to get to know themselves better and operate and come from a place of self-love and self-appreciation where they do things in their life with people that really match who they are and that brings them the highest joy possible. So, yes. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. And, and, and that's a great segue into this idea of finding your authentic self and putting yourself out there as someone who you really are. What do you mean by that? Well, that's another very good question. So remember when I said I had all these personas for all these different people, yeah. that was not me being authentic. That was me being a people pleaser. That was me being whatever I thought I needed to be in order to be loved or to fit in or to have friends or to be accepted or all of mm. these types of reasonings. And what I didn't realize is that by being so many different people, I, on the one hand, never was myself. So nobody ever got to, to know the real me, mm -hmm. but I also didn't get to know the real me. I honestly, in that period, had no clue who I actually was, and I wasn't even noticing that I had no clue who I really was. Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was the way life was supposed to work, and that that was the way I was supposed to live it, and that those were the things that everybody does, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can call it naive. Maybe I was very naive, but at one point in my life, uh, mostly the beginning point of my life, I thought that everybody was more or less the same. Yeah. And that everything worked more or less the same for everybody. And it was a couple of really hard lessons to discover that that's not true. Yeah. Uh, and by not being my authentic self, I started a career that ended me up in a severe burnout, that ended me up in relationships with men who did not see my value, who did not appreciate my value, because I didn't see my value or appreciated my value. Because if I have no clue who I am, how can they have a clue who I am and appreciate me for who I am? And so the relationship front was far from ideal, but also the workplace was far from ideal because I just did what I was told, you know, you go to school, 
you get a good education and then you get a good job that pays your bills and then you find yourself a husband and you get yourself some children or, or by getting making you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um and 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 that's how you live that's what i've been taught and if you don't fit into that and i definitely just don't fit into that then that's kind of it had been a, a struggle a long struggle for a long time and then when I ended up in that burnout and, and my boyfriend of seven years unexpectedly just out of the blue uh, ended our relationship, I just, I was left with, well, nothing. Mm. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my hobbies were. I didn't even really know what I like to do in my time off. I could barely remember the person that had fun, <laughs> let alone what that fun was. And this started me on my journey of self-discovery, of, of discovering you know, who the peep am I? <laughs> and, and, and what do I actually like? What makes me go on and gives me energy? And well, that was a, a really long way, the way out of the burnout. It took me almost two and a half years to get out of the burnout and to see that the burnout was a, a result of the accumulation of me not being who I am, not being my authentic self. I want and, you to repeat that because that's a really, really critical idea. The yes. burnout was a result. Go on and, and repeat what you said. The burnout was a result of not being who I really am, of not being my authentic self, of not being true to my authentic self, of not being in connection with my body, my spirit, and my mind. Mm -hmm. All yeah. of those. Yeah. And I didn't even know. I had no clue. I was clueless. Yeah. And I felt like a victim. Why is this happening to me? I am a good person. I am always there for other people. I go through fire and beyond for those I love and call my family and friends. And I couldn't understand why this was happening to me at that time. And well, the answer is because I wasn't me. And then you think, yeah. but how can you not be you? <laughs> you are yeah. you, so you're always you, right? And wrong. You can be a version of yourself that you made up, basically. And when it starts at a very young age, you don't really notice. Mm -hmm. it, it goes unintentionally, unnoticed. It's just, it's little by little and little by little, little by little, little, little. You move away from your core you, and the mm -hmm. you that you always were, but just you lose sight of it. Yeah. yeah. And I think... As children, we are amazing. We believe in ourselves. We think we can fly. We think we can do anything and everything. And we have no fears, no self-doubts. We love ourselves. We put ourselves first. <laughs> and then society steps in. And along the way, we learn that to think I am amazing, oh no, that's just boosting yourself. And that's something you need to be ashamed of if you do that, because that you need to move away from that. And 
proper self-care. So uh, setting limits and guarding your boundaries and saying no and, and saying I want this and not that is frowned upon because of I'm not even going to go into all of these rules that make it frowned upon. If you're listening to this, you probably know which rules I'm talking about. And there are many. And the point of this story is that we learn that being us is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a friend, uh, Dixie Gillespie, who was on this podcast uh, a couple of years ago, and she tells a story. We were talking about creativity and how all of us, how all children especially, are creative. And that her brother was especially creative. And, and as a toddler, he was very interested in, in mosaics and putting together pieces of rock or glass or whatever the case may be to make artistic things. And he loved doing it. And then he made this awesome mosaic that he brought and showed to his mother. Well, it was great, except for the fact that he broke her favorite sugar bowl to make the pieces that he turned into the mosaic. And, and that was a, you know, a fairly obvious and, and from the mother's perspective, understandable case of, oh no, kid, uh, that's not okay. But in much more subtle ways, all of the creativity, all of the originality, all of the joy and the passion, I don't want to say all of the joy and the passion, but so much of the creativity and the joy and the passion and the being ourselves that is natural and part of childhood, you're right. It, it begins to be pushed down the rules it's almost like a factory where we take in any type of children and then we just output the same type of child yeah yeah and and it's so applicable to the work that i do where i'm trying to help my clients be more creative help them stand out. And there are some who will just flat out object and say, well, I I don't want to be creative. I don't want to be a storyteller. That's not professional. Mm -hmm. And I would counter that this, this idea, first of all, that creativity and professionalism are at odds is a mistaken one. (laughs) Um, In in fact, a destructive (laughs) mistaken uh, idea. And, and second, that all of us, when we fall into this trap of, I'm going to be very serious and very professional and play by the rules and so on and so forth are doing just what you described. We're putting on an identity to fit when in fact, if we could take down that mask a little bit and say, Mm -hmm. I'm a professional person, but here is me. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I have to say. Here's my creative soul. And I'm going to bear it and I'm going to share it. And I'm going to let you know me that you will actually be uh, better off, not only from the perspective of breaking through the other marketing noise, but also just from the perspective of your own, uh, your own soul and well-being and personal health and Mm -hmm. wellness. And, and so I think what you're talking about is just so important and speaks right to the heart of, of what so many of my listeners and clients and prospects uh, Mm -hmm. can struggle with from time to time. What does it really mean to be authentic? What does it mean to put the real me out there? And so share with us a little bit 
more about that idea because we hear all the time about authenticity. It's sort of a throwaway word these days yes. in business. Be mm-hmm. more authentic. And and what you're talking about is is very, very important. And how how do we cut uh, away from that sort of cliched throwaway meaning of authenticity and get to, mm-hmm. to really the heart of what you're talking about, Barbara? That is a very good question. And with regards to creativity, I've always been extremely creative, but just by having a business, you are creating a business and you are either creating services or you are creating products. And every time you think of a new course or a new meditation or a new service, you are creating. So creation and being creative go hand in hand with being a business owner. And if you are not creative, then you're probably struggling in your business and you might seriously consider if this is the right way for you. And with regards to your other part of your question, um, the better you know yourself, and that's I start with the strong foundation, getting to know yourself really well, your user manual, what makes you tick. Um, that is also very important within your business. So that's the next level of what I help people with. Uh, so you don't have to have a business. It can also be an employeeship. But if you are having a business or you want to have a business or um, you're even considering it, then what I find is authenticity means that you find what works for you. Mm-hmm. So if I look at high sensitivity, I found out I was a highly sensitive person. Then I found out I'm an empath, which means that I can sense other people's emotions and be very empathetic also to uh, other people, which is not solely for empaths. Other people can be empathetic as well, but empaths most definitely. And still, I was weird and, and different <laughs> and strange. And I discovered that 70% of everybody that's highly sensitive is introverted, but I am not introverted. I am an extroverted introvert, so to say, because on the ground scale of introversion and extroversion, I would still qualify as an introvert because I do need my alone time every now and then. But I also love parties and I love dancing. And as you can see, I love talking and I love presenting and I love coaching and I am an awesome speaker. I'm not afraid for huge crowds and a true introvert would not want to do that. So if we then look at marketing, if you are very much an introvert, then becoming a public speaker, probably not your thing. Mm-hmm. Doing daily or weekly lives on Facebook, probably not your thing. Mm-hmm. Having a live TV show on your YouTube channel, probably not your thing. And so you need to discover who you really are in order to discover your talents, your gifts, where you are excelling where you shine and then using that knowledge in your marketing and but also in your branding so authenticity in branding is not learning and that's the problem i i don't want to offend anybody with what i'm saying but a huge problem i'm having with marketing nowadays is that storytelling is very much in mm-hmm. and a lot of entrepreneurs are now telling their story mm-hmm. but they all tell it in the same way the exact same beginning, the exact same build up, the middle story, the same ending. So I think, ah, you also went to what's his name program. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And to me, that is no longer authentic because yeah. it's 
it comes across as you telling a story for the sake of telling a story in which you hope it connects with your audience so that they come and buy from you. So your intention is not to be authentic. Your intention is, is, is still buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, those stories, I, it's, I'm, I'm having more and more difficulty with it. So, well, I think storytelling is awesome. The authentic story is not told for a desire to have a six, seven, eight, nine figure business um, and, 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 and getting a lot of new clients or stuff, even though you might want all of these things. Um, but the authentic story is told because you genuinely feel that your experiences and by sharing them and be open about them in a a teaching vulnerable kind of way helps people to not feel alone, to genuinely feel understood instead of the fake understanding with uh, the intention of selling, because I understand, um, but because you really went through it and you have this 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 deep desire of wanting to make the world better for people on the same type of path as you are. Yeah, and and as somebody who is positioned as a storytelling coach, I appreciate your perspective and your feedback, and I agree with it. And and in at Story Power Marketing, what we talk about is the three E method, where the first E is empathy. This is not about you. This is not about your legendary origin story. This is about understanding your prospects whom you wish to serve. That word serve is so important. Um, You wish to serve and you understand, you meet them where they are. What are they feeling? Where do they want to go? And you envision what does the other side of the mountain look like? And so you're not telling stories for story's sake. You're not telling stories so that people understand your legendary rise from the ditch to the mountaintop. You're telling stories so that the people you wish to serve can say, oh, I've I get it. This person gets me. This person has something of value that will help me journey from a before to after that is of value to me that will serve me. And so I, I, I have no fault with the notion of using story to sell as long as the selling is in the service of helping clients and prospects. Um, When it's used as a trick or when it's used as just another marketing strategy to, uh, to to establish yet another transaction for transaction's sake, uh, without empathy, without really a a, a service uh, a, a servant's heart, um, mm. then I think it's a much different thing. And and exactly. and and so I appreciate what you said. And in many ways, I feel like you you put your finger on something that distinguishes our approach to story and storytelling uh, versus some of the others who are out there. 
And that's why we are connecting so well. Exactly. And and then the thing with highly sensitive people is that we also sense the energy with which something is put into the world. Mm -hmm. So if you could have both a very two people, two entrepreneurs that are using storytelling to sell their, their services, products, whatever. And they could even have very similar stories. And, Mm -hmm. but one is coming from the heart being authentic that's for me coming from the heart and the other is sharing their story so that other people can connect with it and then feel that they know what they're talking about and want to come and buy with it mm-hmm. and so the stories could be virtually identical or even completely identical even the highly sensitive person also feels the energy behind it we can feel if something is sincere or not if it's a trick or not and in my line of business that's actually one of my gifts for instance i can also feel when people are bullshitting themselves or or, or not or when they are actually being honest and I can feel when they are talking about things, what are the service layers underneath there? But that also applies to marketing. So, and when I was starting out, I honestly had no idea what came to running a business, Mm -hmm. what that entails, you know? And I had never done marketing and sales. I had always worked in an apartment that somebody else did marketing and sales. And then the end result, the, the project came to me. So I registered for marketing and sales courses like any good entrepreneur does that values their business and wants to grow because you need to learn about the things that you don't know. And you will encounter people that teach you their method. Mm-hmm. And then they call themselves the number one sales codes of the Benelux, for instance, which were, is where, where I'm from, original, or the number one sales coach of the United States or whatever it is that they're, they're calling the number one branding specialist or, you know, you've, you've seen these terms come by and, and you believe them. Mm-hmm. Because I was a fresh entrepreneur with not so many flight hours. And, and even when I had my business for five years, I still felt for a fell for some sweet talkers that promise you golden mountains and, and the results that you're longing for. And when you're desperate enough, you will fall for it and you will say yes to it. And you will start completely full of enthusiasm and then you apply everything that they're teaching you. And if you are like me uh, and probably like you, there will come a time when you find that what is working for them is not working for you because yep. you are just very different. And, and those yeah, and and this gets back to really what you were talking about with authenticity and who you really are and who you really want to be. It's not even just what's working for them. It's it's what what's working for them. It, it's defining, I guess, what you mean by what's working, because a lot of marketing and sales coaches will define working as. I got the sales. I grew my business. I met my numbers. And of course, that's important. If you're building a business, you have to, you have to meet your numbers. You want to have a profit. You have to feed yourself and your family and grow. And and nobody wants to build a business that loses money and, and, and puts you in the poorhouse. However, you also can make your business work without uh 
without all the tricks and without all the nonsense. So just today, I wrote an email about this, that one of the, one of the great marketing minds, and I do think this guy has a great marketing mind, mm-hmm. is constantly using tricks in his emails. And I opened an email this morning where the subject line was RE regarding um, your refund. R-E colon your refund. Well, I opened it before I thought, well, I didn't buy anything from this guy, but I I opened it. And the purpose of that email Mm -hmm. is to trick, or that subject line, is to trick people into opening the email. And then it launches into a speech about how we have a very generous refund policy. So here, buy all our our stuff. Yeah. Great. That works for him. And if I so chose, I could implement the same trick and it would work for me to generate more opens and probably more sales, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be me. I'm not, no. I'm not into playing the games really? and I believe that I can grow my business without playing those games and, mm-hmm. and perhaps there's an argument to be made that maybe my business would grow faster and further if I did play those games. But, maybe faster, uh, but I also think that you then attract the wrong types of clients. You, you will attract, people right. sign up that fall for your tricks that maybe regret having signed up later. And then you have a lot of refund requests or maybe right. negative reviews. It is so that's what happens with these guys. You fall for their tricks, you step into their program, and then you're so disappointed. I've had yeah. that happen so often, and I'm sorry, but then you're so disappointed and then when you try to talk to them about it they're either not home they're not responding or worse they kick you out of a program claiming all of a sudden you are not their ideal client and that has a reflection on how you see yourself and and they constantly tell you but my stuff works so it must be you and if you haven't done enough of your self-development yet to have a really strong sense of self to right. really believe in, in, in your power, then you're influenced by that. And then you're thinking, oh, I must have done something wrong or highly sensitive people can be very strict to themselves at the, that bar that's really high. And then we have negative self-talk and, right. and, and disempowering beliefs again. And it feeds the beast that believes that we might not be enough or not be worthy or stuff like that. And, and then you're six steps back instead of the steps forward that you hoped you would be and of course when you become more famous and you get more people uh, if you have 100 people then there will be a couple that will stick with you and from those there will also be a couple for whom it definitely works but yeah you're not really doing anything for the people for whom it doesn't work and right yeah Right. And you you said something so important a few moments ago. You said you're not really believing in your own power. You sort of, uh, I can, I can share my own experience with this and and not the same marketing guy, but uh, years ago, 15 years ago, I licensed webinar software. And one of the features of the webinar software is that you could basically fake how many people were attending your webinar, Mm -hmm. and you could actually run fake chat 
through the chat box so mm-hmm. that you create the illusion what? for the one or two people who are there that they're among hundreds and and that creates social proof and influences them to buy and mm-hmm. i ran webinars that way that was how i was taught by the marketing expert who taught me this this process and and the people who licensed this uh, this webinar software and it worked but i i didn't have enough belief and strength and uh, in in my own power to say well, well wait a minute this doesn't feel right to me this exactly. isn't how i want to operate and I got there. I got to a point where I was able to say, well, that's not how, pardon me, that's not how I'm going to run my webinars. I can run my webinars straight. And if there are three people in the room, so be it. If there are 30 people in the room, better, great. But I'm not going to hide that because I'm confident enough and I'm, I'm, I'm authentic enough to do it, to do it straight. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's about understanding and believing in your power and not telling yourself these stories that, oh, I have to do it this way, even though it doesn't feel right to me. Exactly. Yeah. And another good example is uh, sales scripts. There are a lot of coaches that teach sales scripts. I've been taught a sales script and then we needed to look at our target audience and the things that they were coping with and then come up with a load of questions and then open-ended questions, obviously, because your goal is gathering information and not ask yes or no types, which are closed types of questions. And then you write out your script and then, yeah, you know, you have this conversation with a potential customer, prospect, client, however you want to call them. And and you start at the beginning of your script and then they do something that's completely off of script and your script is not prepared for that move because all of a sudden they ask a question that's not on there or they steer towards something that's also not on there. And then you have this slight panic because oh my god we're feared off script and how do i how do i get them back on script because the script is designed to work and get to an end result of of a cell obviously um and and they feel that they feel that you're scripting they feel your panic even if you're really good at hiding it it's still the underneath energy especially the highly sensitive people will 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 feel that energy and that made sales for me and for a lot of my clients, just something that they try to postpone as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And it definitely didn't make it any fun. Same also with, with marketing, but uh, let's just stick to the sales conversation. And for me, sales came, uh, conversations became fun when I realized that they're not much different from a coaching conversation. Right. Uh, you are a human, I am a human, you look interesting, I am interesting, let's just have an interesting conversation and see where we end up. And if you like the conversation and you want to know more about what I could specifically do for you, then awesome, I'd love to tell you. If not, then I'd have a lovely conversation with an awesome human being and still feel that my time was spent um, in a valuable way. Yeah, and and I talked a moment ago about the three E approach that we teach, and and it starts with empathy, and then envisioning, and mm-hmm. finally enable. How does your product or service enable the journey from the before to the after? And if you can understand that, know where your prospect is, know where your prospect wants to go, empathy and envision, and know how your product and services 
enable the journey, well, then you're going to be able to communicate through marketing uh, stories and posts in the sales conversation that you're having in a way that will resonate and that will help you grow your business. The thing that's so powerful, and this is what you were just saying a moment ago, is that those skills, empathy, and vision enable that make you a better marketer and a better salesperson are the skills that you bring to the client as a coach. Empathy and vision enable. So the uh, understand who you are and what you bring to the table and what you're offering and how you serve understand who your clients are and why you're in business to serve them. And you're going to be able to have conversations that feel very similar when you're marketing and selling as they feel when you are actually sitting with them and doing work, whether it's one-on-one or in a coaching environment, really critical idea. And then you feel relaxed and you're having fun and your energy is one of positivity and of joy instead of stress or um, maybe even money worries that come Mm -hmm. in for for a lot of people. And uh, that makes a huge difference in the yes and the no that you're getting, um, the clients that you're attracting. So when you are not being yourself and you're doing marketing and sales in, in, in trickery way or in a learned process type of way, that's not 100% resonating with who you really are, then you're bound to get difficult customers, customers that are not your right. ideal client, even though they might have presented initially like they could be your ideal client. And that it, it comes with a whole set of issues and, and trouble that you would want to steer clear of if you had known in advance. That That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Barbara, we could we could just keep going for another hour. We're already we're we're well over uh, a half an hour, pressing forty five minutes in this call. And what I'd like to do is is have you share with people where they can find you and tell us a little bit about the programs that you offer. You you mentioned different uh, different programs, and so for those who who feel like they want to learn more and connect with you, where can they go and what will they find? Well, I am on most uh, major social media platforms, all under at HSP Coach Barbara and then Barbara with an E. So B-A-R-B-E-R-A, which is the unusual spelling, I know, but that makes me unique. Um, And that's also my website, hspcoachbarbara.com. So that makes it easy. It's also on uh, YouTube, my channel. It's on my podcast platform, my channel. So uh, if you type that in, you will get uh, me. And I offer virtual coffee chats. Uh, for everybody who just wants to chat, I also offer a free breakthrough session for people who are ready to become the driver in their life. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can book them through my website and uh, through most of my social media profiles as well. So that would be the easiest. If you want to discover more about who I am, how I speak, uh, what I find important and how I teach, then I would advise you to either listen to my podcast or to go to my YouTube channel. Uh, And it's a great way of getting to know me better. And the programs I wrote, it's it's actually 
Um, it started out as one program. I call that the Solepreneur Success System. Mm-hmm. And it's a year program with 12 modules where you will learn everything with the foundation of yourself and then how to translate that into your business. But while I was writing it, I discovered that the first six months are all about your and who you are, what your user manual is, your gifts, your strengths, your beliefs, your obstacles, your blocks, you know, everything. So I also, you can also buy that program as a standalone program, the first six months of the Solpreneur Success System as the authentic superpower system. So that's for people who do not necessarily have to be an entrepreneur and who just really want to get to know themselves really well with strategies and tips and tools and everything. And then the last six months of the Solpreneur Success System are all about how to use that knowledge about yourself, that strong foundation that you build in the first six months, how to incorporate that into turning what you are passionate about into something that will give you what you want. And in general, I've seen that people want freedom, freedom to be themselves, freedom to do what they love. And in my opinion, that is usually only achievable by becoming an entrepreneur. There are exceptions for work life. There are some jobs where you work for a boss, but it feels like you are your own boss and you have tremendous amount of freedom. And then maybe you could get there too. But in general, I think you need to be an entrepreneur. So then it's called the intuitive business success system, the last six months. And that is all about using your knowledge about yourself, your user manual, your talents, your gifts for your client attraction. Mm -hmm. for your branding, for your marketing, for your sales, but also um, for your mindset. Because And and that's actually where it starts. It starts with focus and it starts with mindset. And then we move on to client attraction, sales, marketing, branding and stuff. Because if you do not believe in yourself and that you are capable of everything you set your mind to, then I can teach you until the sun goes down and you will still not move one inch off of the spot where you are. So, uh, and and that turned into three programs of which the Solpreneur Success System is, is both of the other two so that people can, that already know themselves really well, that already have that strong foundation, they can just go into the intuitive business success system and learn how to map that to their business for for better and more results and more fun and more energy and stuff. Or people who just want to get to know themselves, that is also possible. And if you want everything, then that's also possible. Yeah, very, very good. Well, Barbara, it's been a great pleasure to talk through this with you. I encourage everybody listening to check out your website, social media, connect with you, dig deeper because what Barbara is offering is so, so valuable, not just for the bottom line of your business. In fact, way beyond the bottom line of your business. It's really about your own personal well-being, your sense of self and, and all aspects of your life. So Barbara, thank you so much for being here today. It was a great pleasure. I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It truly was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. 
If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.